This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. Oh, you feel like you've been to church yet? Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Oh, welcome. We are so thankful to see you all here, to be with you today, and to have you joining us online and, and tuning in that way. We're, we're grateful to, to have you um, with us in whatever way God has allowed you to and, and brought you to. And, you know, I, I focused in on last week that, that you're not here by accident, you're here by divine appointment. And, and I just believe that to the bottom of my heart, because I remember when I first came to this church for the very first time, 1996, as a completely lost, no, had no idea what I was doing, where I was going, just knew that I had to get something straightened out. And, and back to, you know, I grew up down south where churches kind of a routine and a thing and and I kind of and I grew up in that and went far far away from that but when God started calling me back I knew where I needed to go I knew I needed to go to church but I didn't know what church to go to because we were new in this area and I just began to drive I won't I'll spare you the full the full story but I just remember pulling into the to the driveway over at the old building when we were back over there and and it just felt like God said, you're home now. And it was a homecoming. It was a, it was a moment of, it, it, it was a place that I had never been that I was perfectly at home at. And so we started there in 1996 as first time visitors. <laughs> and... One thing led to another, and here we are, many years later. It's, uh, all right, I, I don't want to get down memory lane here. I'm sorry, had a little reminiscent moment there for you. Um, but I just say that to, to say this. I know that when I pulled into that place, when I pulled into that, that driveway over there, I knew that this wasn't just because I decided to get up and go somewhere this morning. It was because this was the appointed place and time that God had said, this is where I'm going to meet you. And, and, I just, and I just want that for everyone that comes. I want that for everyone that shows up here uh, every, every single day. So we're going to, I, I want to, before I dive into this, I want to just say thank you to the men that came out and served yesterday uh, to, to take care of, yeah, we appreciate you. And... Um, all the sore backs and the, and the slight smell of Bengay and Asper cream in the room, you, you might be noticed. Well, with your mask on, you might not get it, so it's okay. Um, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, been one of those, it's been one of those years where physical activity has kind of gone down. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's you, uh, if, if it's everybody, but I know it has been for me. And, um, you know, waking those muscles back up. Uh, is a you know we saw on the news the other night that um, physical therapists are 
are in high demand at the moment because people are trying to get back and moving around and, and things, and, and that's a good thing, I think. And so, but we appreciate all the hard work and, and uh, dedication that everyone has put in. Um, I want to remind you of a few things. We have the, the Easter extravaganza coming up at the end of this month. If you want to help serve in any way, see Cody or Abby, and they can help you um, get plugged in there. There's a way to sign up. I don't know all the details. They do. Um, but there's a way to make it happen if, you're, if, you, if, you wanna, if you wanna be a part of that. And um, I just wanted to mention one more time that if you, wanna, if you wanna plug in and you wanna serve as a greeter, or if you wanna help in Kingdom Kids, if you're looking for a place to serve, let one of us know that you that you want to be a part of we you want to be a part of the preparation here because we're getting ready we're we're preparing we're 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 being actively uh act, we're actively preparing for what God is about to do because God is about to do things that that we're going to need to be engaged for I don't know exactly what that's going to look like or what that's going to be but we know that it's coming right? It's, it's like a tsunami that's coming. You know, they, they send out the, when they have an earthquake under the ocean's floor, they, they send out a tsunami uh, alert, and, and everybody starts getting prepared, but nobody knows exactly what that's going to look like, how big it's going to be, where it's going to hit exactly, how it's going to hit, but they get ready, right? That's what I feel like we are in, in that's the season that we're in right now, is in that you know, the tsunami warning is coming, and, and, and we need to be ready, and we need people who are going to be uh, engaged and a part of the, the process, and so we just invite you to, to be a part of that. And so today we're going to continue on in our series called Easter Every Day. I've never really preached about Easter before Easter, but this year I felt like this is a time for, for us God's people to prepare for Easter, to get ready for Easter. And, and my goal in this whole process, my goal in this whole series is, is to elevate, to, to lift and raise our awareness and our value for what Easter represents to us. Because here, here's what I don't want to, may we never become unimpressed with the gospel. Amen? May we never become unimpressed with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. May we never be the people that say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, Jesus died for my sins. Yeah, yeah, let's go on to the deeper stuff. No, that is the deep stuff. That is the deepest of the deep. Everything else that is deep is built on that foundation. So it's not as deep. You understand what I'm saying? If it were not for the death, burial, and resurrection, there would be no deep stuff. We would still be up on shallow water where we are vulnerable to the enemy, where we are at the, at the whim of the waves of the sea blown and tossed by everyone that comes through because we would have no anchor. We would have no foundation. We would have no firm foundation to stand on and to build on. The firm foundation that we, that we build on is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is the gospel. It is what Jesus did for us. So may we never, ever, ever be unimpressed with the gospel. 
Come on. If you go to church for every Sunday for the rest of your life and all you ever hear is a gospel message, you're going to the right church. You're going to the right place. Yeah, we could pull out all the self-help books and, and all the gurus and all the psychology and all the whatever else we could, we could substitute for this book of the gospel. And we could do that, but we're not going to do that here. Because this, that's, this is a gospel-centered church. This is a kingdom-centered church. And the, and the kingdom is available to us only because of the gospel. Come on. Outside of the gospel, we have no access to the kingdom. So may we never become unimpressed with the gospel. It should take our breath away every time. Every time we think of it. Every time we imagine it, every time, every time we get to speak of it, it, we, we, it, we should do it with bated breath, right? It's, it's, just, it's just overwhelming to think that the creator and sustainer of the universe would humble himself and become a man, a human being, like his own creation so that he could stand in the gap for his own creation. I want, to give you, I want to give you, once again, the, the gospel in two verses. Remember that? You know, I think they've even resurrected it now. It used to be an old show, and now it's a new show. Name that tune, right? Name that tune, and you say, oh, I can name that tune in five notes or three notes, two notes. All right, here's the gospel in two verses. I love this passage. The Apostle Paul just kind of emoting, and he says, I pass on to you what was most important. And what has also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins. Come on, hallelujah. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day. Hallelujah. Just as the scripture said, just as the truth is. That's what he's saying there. All right, I named that tune in two verses. I'm going to, I'm going to. Name the, I'm going to name that tune in one verse. The East, Easter in one verse. What Easter means to us in one verse. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins, speaking of Jesus, in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what matters. Outside of that, nothing else matters because outside of that, we are on the outside looking in. We're, we're, we're like that, you know, pressed, we got our face pressed up against the bakery door, but we don't get any donuts. Come on. He opened the door. He unlocked the, he unlocks, he is the key. He is the, the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And it comes through the gospel. And, and the more that we, the, I just believe that the more that we magnify that, the more that we, that we bring that and live with that in our awareness constantly on a daily basis, it changes us and it changes our conversation. It changes what we, how we look at other people, how we come to other people. The gospel takes away the guilt. It takes away the shame. The gospel, it, it takes away the regret and the remorse. It washes it clean and it releases 
Because his sacrifice paid it all. It's all been paid for. It's all been done. I, I, I kind of had a, had a word this morning, which is actually four or five words. But it was this. Shake up and wake up. I feel like that's what God is saying right now to us, to the body of Christ. He's just saying, hey, yo, shake up and wake up. Everybody say, shake up and wake up. Shake up and wake up. Type it in the chat. Shake up and wake up. It's time to shake up and wake up. Never allow yourself to think, yeah, 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 so gospel, God, I died for my sin, but yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's yeah, 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 he died for my sins. I don't have to live in them any longer. I am set free and released from those regrets and that remorse and that shame and that guilt. It's been washed away and it's cleansed. And, and he did it all. He did it all. Never get unimpressed with the fact that he did it all for you. He did it all for you. That it was God's plan all the way through. From eternity past, it was God's plan. From, at least from, from Genesis chapter 3, it was God's plan to crush the head of Satan. To crush the head of the accuser. To crush the head of the one that would come against you and be your obstacle. To crush that head. So what... Does Easter mean to you? What does Easter mean to you? You see, we don't just celebrate Easter once a year. We celebrate Easter every day. Because every day we celebrate the gospel. And that's what the, that's what the Easter message is all about. is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that opened the portal into the kingdom of God. Into that realm where, there, where it is unlimited where everything is unlimited. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Cody read it, John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But abide in me and my words abide in you. You can do anything. Because he will do it for you. He will set you free. He will empower you. He will release you. And it's that empowerment that I want to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the authority to empower because that's what Easter does. It gives us the authority. It, it gave Christ the, the authority to empower us. Because our sin blocked us according to God's law, according to God's way. Our sin separated us from Him. It's called spiritual death. You see, the devil lied right off the bat. In the, in the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God. They were connected with God. They were with him. And then this, the great accuser and the great tempter came along. And, and he says to, to Eve, he says, what are you looking at there? And she was looking at the, very, the only thing in the garden that God said, stay away from that. Just don't mess with that. And he said, go ahead and it, it won't. You will not surely die. Because God had warned. Worship me. Love me. Obey me. And just stay away from this one thing. 
People, people ask sometimes, why, why did God put that one thing there if He just wanted us to stay away? Well, because we need to have the choice. We need, you can't worship without the choice not to worship. You can't love without the choice not to love. Amen? It's got to be a choice. It has to be a choice. It has to be an act of my will and volition to worship God, to love Him. But he said, you can have all the rest of this. Stay away from that. And the great accuser came along and said, what, what, what will happen? Eve said, she knew. We will die. In other words, and I think she understood what that meant. We will be separated from God. Because that's what death is. That's what spiritual death is. Is that we will be separated from God. You see, but the devil wants you to think physically, not spiritually. Are you with me? The devil wants you to think physically, not spiritually. Because if you think physically and you do what God says not to do and you still live, you're like, well, well I guess God didn't really have, didn't care. Right? I got away with it. No, no, no. You see, God sees things from the spirit, not from the physical. The physical is simply a reflection of the spirit. And in the spirit, when they disobeyed God, in that moment, they were separated from him into a spiritual death. That's why the next time we see God coming into the garden, what's he doing? He's looking for Adam. He's asking, where'd you go? Why aren't you here? Why aren't we together anymore? And it was in that separation in that disconnection that we found ourselves naked and ashamed and regretting and alone. And when Jesus came, Jesus came to restore that which had been lost. Jesus came to restore back to God's original plan the togetherness, the spiritual aliveness the connectedness that we get to have with God. And that's what the gospel is all about. It's all about reconnecting us and taking us out of the wilderness and out of the wandering and putting us back on the path that God had intended for us from the beginning. Because He has a plan for you before you ever even conceived in your, mother's, in your, in your father's imagination and in your mother's womb. He already had a plan for you. He already had a purpose for you. He already had a path laid out for you to walk. A vision for your life. And He wants to restore that. That's what salvation is. Salvation is simply being restored back to the path. Sin is simply wandering off of the path and going my own way, doing my own thing outside of God's will. Salvation is being restored back to that path so that I can walk the way that God had intended for me from the beginning. That's what it's about. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a navigational thing. Come on. <laughs> Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. We're going to talk about a 
a real, a real short passage, a real quick story that happens here, but I think it just says so much about God's grace and power. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, we're reading from Matthew's gospel, right? So Matthew is basically writing about himself here. In the other versions, in the other uh, uh, gospels where this story is recorded, they don't call him Matthew there. They call him Levi. Because his, his, his Hebrew name was Levi. Probably because he came from the line of Levites. And the line of Levites were the priests of the, of the nation, right? So, so he's coming from a, a heritage, from a line of people that had been called out and set apart to be the priests of the nation, to be the spiritual leaders of that nation. And yet, here he is sitting at a Roman tax collecting booth, hated by his brother and sister, brothers and sisters that were Jewish. Because he had basically sold out. He, he had basically given himself over to the service of what they would consider the enemy. And now he's enforcing the laws of a foreign land on his own people by collecting their taxes. He's probably sitting at some major intersection uh, in, a, in a booth of sorts, that, like a toll booth, where if you want to pass through here, you got to pay you got to pay the price to get through here. So he was looked at with disdain. He was hated. And he probably thought about his heritage. He thought about being a Levite. He probably thought about his ancestors that had led the armies with, with symbols and horns to tear down the walls of Jericho and, and to build the temple and to serve in the temple and to enter into the Holy of Holies because that's what Levi's did. And now here he is, Levi, Matthew, serving the Roman government against his own people, sitting in a toll booth collecting money that has Caesar stamped on it. He's as far away from what he would consider to be in God's grace or in God's favor as he could be in that moment. And in that moment, in that place of, of being as far away as I could, you know, it's prophetic that God, TJ talked about that, that somebody's watching, somebody's here that thinks you're so far away that you don't even deserve to be watching or in the room. You don't even deserve to be anywhere close to God because of where you are. And I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, as he said, none of us do. We're all Levites that have sold out, that are sitting in a toll booth somewhere, serving another kingdom, serving another God until Jesus shows up. But when, and when Jesus shows up, everything changes. That's the gospel. So, so here, here's my first point. Number one is Easter means that God's grace can save and empower anyone. 
If he can save and empower Matthew. This person that has probably been rejected and thrown out of his own family. Who's been ostracized by his own people. Who who is looked at and viewed upon as the enemy. Yeah, they might pay their taxes, but they probably spit at him too at the same time. And along comes Jesus. Along comes Jesus. In verse 10 of Matthew 9, it says this. While Jesus... Okay, this is funny. I, lo- I love it. So in verse, in verse 9, it said, Jesus came to the tax collector's booth and he says, Follow me. Matthew got up and folded... Uh, got, Matthew got up and followed him. Where did he follow him to? Where did Jesus lead him to when he said, follow me? To his house for dinner. That's a great... <laughs> I find that hilarious. <laughs> well, Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So, <laughs> he's... so here's how this happened. No, I'm in my mind. Jesus is walking along. He probably paid his, paid his toll, paid his taxes. And he says, hey, Matthew, Levi, come follow me as we go into your house for dinner. And this is going to change everything. Everything is going to be different from you from now on. And he says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him as his, and his disciples. Now, here's what I think is interesting. There's so much interesting, but another thing is, although Matthew has been rejected, he's been kicked out, he's walked away, he's a, he's a reject in his own place, he still, he still gravitates those others who are like him. Right? They, they, they still, like birds of a feather flock together. So, so you know, you're still going to have some people around you, but it might be people that have gone down and off that path as far as you have. And, and here's the funny thing about Jesus is that those people didn't feel... They just didn't feel awkward about being near Jesus. They, they just didn't feel judged by Jesus. They, they didn't feel less than when Jesus was around. And, 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 they, and they were willing to stay, right? I mean, if Jesus had come in judging and condemning and tearing down and all, they're not going to hang out at Matthew's house for dinner. They're going to leave. They're going to go over to somebody else's house and have dinner, Right? But they stayed. They stayed because grace, listen, grace empowers you to not have to be the judge and jury of the world around you. Grace empowers you to see the world with compassion and empathy. Grace empowers you to not have to be afraid of the sin that's close to you because you know that you are protected by the blood from that sin. Amen? Come on. That's grace. And, and so they, they, they come to Jesus and, and it's, 
They're having dinner with many tax collectors and sinners. They came and ate with him and his disciples. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I love this. Here's my second point. Easter means that we now (laughs) that we now have been empowered with something to offer the world. We've been empowered with something to offer the world. We've been given something that those who have lost everything are looking for. Some some of us don't realize that we've lost everything. For many years, I had no idea that I had lost everything, right? That, 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 That my soul, my spirit was empty and dry and dead and separated from God. But when I came into that light, when when I came into that awareness, and all of a sudden, God became real to me, and God God showed me Himself, I realized what I was missing. I realized what was was not there. I I realized where I was sick and disconnected. And, and and, and And the grace of Easter, the grace of the gospel message, the grace of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ now has given me something to offer those who were in that place where I once was. All right, come on. Amen? Like God has given you access to the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And that's what we have to give to the, to the world. And, and unfortunately, much of the church has decided that what we really have to give to the world are the rules and the regulations and the religious order that they have to follow before they can get themselves cleaned up and then come to God. If you have to get cleaned up before you can come to God, you in trouble, brother. Because you can't clean yourself up. Come on. Have you ever just been covered in something like head to toe? Like just covered in grease or covered in something? And and you can try to wipe it off and all you do is make yourself dirtier. Because your hands are covered in it. Your body's covered in it. Your face is covered in it. What are you going to wipe with? What are you going to clean? Listen, when we are covered in sin, we can try to wipe ourselves all we want to. All we're doing is rubbing it in. Come on. And it's, and it's in that place that we need intervention. We need someone else to come in and cleanse us and wash us clean. We need something from outside of us to come. And, what, and that's the gospel. That's what Jesus does. Jesus meets you where you are. Tax collectors and sinners were as bad as you could get in that day. In that, in that, in that environment, you couldn't get much worse than a tax collector and sinner. And when the Pharisees saw that, they're like, why isn't he telling them the rules? Why isn't he telling them what they're doing wrong? Why isn't he judging them? Why isn't he condemning them? Because that is not what Jesus came to do. Come on. You know, so many of us know John 3.16. But do we know John 3.17? Because if you read John 3.16, it, it's good news. But if you read John 17, it becomes great news. Come on. It, it, where's John 3.16? You wouldn't think that would be that hard to find. Okay, here we go. I just want to read it to you. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's good news, right? Oh, that's fantastic news. That's amazing news. But I don't think I can get that because do you know what I've done? You know where I've been? You know who I hang out with? I can't do that. I can't have that. Oh, but keep reading. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. See, He didn't send Jesus into the world to say, oh, look what you've done. Look where you've been. Look who you hang out with. No, no, no. He came into the world to save you so that you could rise above any of those limitations and empower you to follow Him and then to have something to offer to the world around you that can save them as well. And it's through grace that we do that, not condemnation and judgment. Come on. The next verse says this, On hearing this, Jesus said, <laughs> you, always, you just got to love what Jesus says. It's just, he says, it, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Why do you say that? Because according to the law that the Pharisees had made God, because they turned God into the they turned the, the law and keeping the law into their God and just forgot God altogether. Their law required sacrifice, not mercy. And that sacrifice made them righteous in their own eyes. And Jesus comes and says, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me flip that on its head. I don't desire sacrifice. Your sacrifice is no good to me. Your greatest offering, your greatest sacrifice, your greatest thing that you could ever bring to me. Your greatest righteousness is filthy rags according to God's holiness. So that sacrifice doesn't work. There is a sacrifice coming, but that sacrifice is coming out of mercy. So I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire a people who will look at the world through the merciful, merciful, grace-filled, compassionate eyes of Christ and not see the sin, but see the person. Not get hung up on the how bad that person's failing or how bad that person is doing or whatever that person is and whoever that person is following or whoever they're hanging out. No, 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 no. Listen, that's all a product of the environment. Look past the environment to the person. See the person that is made in the image of God who is called by God to the cross who Christ hung on that cross to die for, to say, I can cover that sin. I've covered that sin. I've taken care of that. I've paid that price already. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's in that good news 
that we're able to step into a destiny. We're able to step into a place that changes everything, that, that sets us free into a brave new world. And I absolutely, with all my heart, believe that is exactly what God is calling us into right now. He is call, God has turned the page. Come on. I mean, we've gone through history for a long, long time, especially in the church. We've gone through history all on the same page. We've stayed on the same page for decades, maybe even centuries. I'm telling you now, I believe with all my heart, God has turned the page. God has said, no, no, no. That page you created there. You see, that's what Jesus did when Jesus came into the place that he was in. It was because for 400 years, they had been stuck on the same page. They've been stuck on the same page. God's not here. God's not speaking to us. Let's create a God of our own. Let's make the law our God. Let's make the rituals our God. Let's make the traditions our God. Let's make the legalism and the judgment against others our God. And that's how we will look holy. And that's how we will look religious. And Jesus comes along and turns the page and says, I don't desire your sacrifice. I desire mercy. Maybe, maybe instead of turning the page that way, this direction, maybe in some ways Jesus is turning the page back to say, let's get back to the gospel. Let's get back to what I brought at the beginning of this covenant, at the beginning of this era, at the beginning of this testament. Let's get back to mercy rather than sacrifice, rather than judgmentalism, and rather than self-righteousness. Let's get back to seeking the righteousness of the Lord. It only becomes ours by His mercy and His grace. Because here, here's, my, here's my last point. Easter means that no matter how broken we are, God can heal and empower us for His glory. Regardless of where we might be. Regardless of how separated we might feel at the moment. And listen, I, I just believe this whole... God allows us to go through eras in time to prepare us for the shock of what is about to come. Come on. <laughs> Think about it. God was speaking to the nation of Israel all those years through the prophets, through David, through Moses, through Isaiah, through all those prophets. He was speaking, he was declaring, and he's, he's communicating, and then all of a sudden, he just stops. He just goes silent. And for 400 years, it's just pure silence. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a voice crying in the wilderness, the voice of the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist, saying, repent, turn around, come back. Whew. All of a sudden, they started to hear a voice that sounded like a voice that somewhere back in the distance was reminiscent of something with power, something with authority. 
John the Baptist calls the people and they come all the way out of the cities into the Jordan, into the wilderness, into nowhere. They leave what they're comfortable with and they go into the, in, into the wilderness in Jordan to be baptized, to be washed clean, to be set free. And then along comes Jesus. And Jesus begins to teach and he begins to share and he begins to preach. And, 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 they, and they look at, and, and they say, who is this man that preaches with such authority? It's so different than what we're used to. What we're used to is rules, regulations. What we're used to is condemnation and shame. But what he's bringing is grace and peace and love and power and joy. We just feel freedom, didn't our burn? Did, did not our hearts burn in our chests at his words? two on the road to Emmaus would say after speaking to Jesus didn't they just burn in our soul and cleanse us and wash us and set us free so Easter means that no matter how broken we are how distant we are how lost we are God can heal and empower us for his glory there's just some words that came to my mind as I was preparing this and, and thinking about how to, how to just kind of end this up and just, I don't know, give you something to do about it. Something, some, some action steps maybe. The first word that came to my, to my mind was forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's what the gospel is about. <laughs> the gospel is about Christ, God's forgiveness for us through Christ. And that forgiveness empowers us and releases us to now get to live. It's like throwing off that old heavy-weighted blanket that was holding us down so that we can run and not grow weary. Forgiveness does that. And when we forgive those who have hurt us, we're, we're, we're simply releasing that which God has poured through us. When we seek forgiveness through those who we have hurt, we're simply engaging in the thing that Jesus empowered us to do and made possible for us. Emotions. Your emotions are simply what's being held up and stored up and caged up inside of you. And they're trying to emote out. They're trying to get out. And, and, and if you're holding in bitterness and anger and resentment, then you're going to emote things that are similar to that. The, the thing, what is inside is what's going to emote outside. So if, you, if you're finding yourself breaking out in fits of rage or anger or depression or sadness or any of those things, those, those are things that I believe Jesus said, by his stripes you have been healed. His stripes declares that you can be healed from that. You can be released from that. You can be set free from that. And it's that place, that loneliness, that loneliness of feeling alone and, and isolated and all by yourselves. And I mean, we've never had a season in my lifetime where it's been more upfront and, and in our face, the loneliness and isolation than we have in the last 12 months. 
I've never experienced that more than this last year. And God is saying, that's what I want to break you out of. That's what I want to break you free from. And our spirit, I think, I've felt this, so I know others have probably felt it, just that my spirit was sick. That my spirit, my, my spirit had a cold or, or, or had the flu or my spirit had something, right? It had something that just wasn't healthy about it. And, and, and I believe that this is the spirit, this is the moment that God is saying, I want to heal your spirit. I want to heal that broken spirit. I, I want to heal that lack of hope. I want to heal that lack of vision that you receive through your spirit because we receive everything from God through our spirit. And if our spirit is broken, then the rest of our lives is going to be broken. Amen. But man, come on. If that spirit can be healed, if that spirit can be restored, if that spirit can be reignited, fan into flame, that spirit that was in you, Timothy, Paul said, Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. That thing that you received at the laying on of my hands, fan that into flame and let that spirit burn. Let it blaze. Let it come up and rise up. It's a new awakening. It's a new awakening. It's a new awareness of what God has for us that he wants to heal us from. He wants to pull off the blinders. He wants to tear the scales off of our eyes the way he did with the Apostle Paul. When, when the Apostle Paul was led after his, his moment on the Damascus Road with Jesus, he's led in to an Ananias' house and Ananias prays for him and its scales fall off. He was blind and now he can see. It's a grand new awakening. I guarantee you, I know 100% that the Apostle Paul did not look at the world after that moment the way he did before that moment. Those scales on his eyes prepared him for a new awakening, for a new vision, for a new view of the world around him. And it changed him forever. He completely shifted his trajectory from that moment forward. Come on. God, give us a brand new awakening, a brand new vision, a brand by your stripes. Give us a new life. And I just believe God is saying this. It's starting today. It starts today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when we get this figured out, not when we get more vaccine, not when we get more politicians, not when we get more of anything else in this world. God says, no, no, no. It's today. It's today that it starts. Right now. A brand new day. So when you walk out of here, I want you to walk out of here like the Apostle Paul walked out of Ananias' house. He walked, out of Anani he walked into Ananias' house with scales on his eyes and blurry vision if he had any at all. And, and he wasn't quite sure where he was going. He felt sick and broken down and, and, and handicapped and lost because he couldn't see. But he walked out of that house with a whole new thing going on. Come on. He walked out of that house set free. He walked out of that house no longer held down as a Pharisee by the rules and the regulations and the judgment and the, oh gosh, what are they going to think of me now? And what are they going to say? I got to be careful. I got I to gotta, I gotta tiptoe and walk on eggshell. No, 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 no. 
He walked out of that house proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news. I once was blind, but now I see. And it's there. Church, come on, it's there that we wake up. It's there that we shake up and we wake up and we become the unstoppable force that God created us to be from the beginning. Amen? Amen? Do you receive that? Can you take that? Can you, re- can you just pull all that in and just make it your own? It's time to shake up and wake up, church. We're going to celebrate communion together. Once again, let's never let celebrating communion just become an ordinary thing. Let's never become unimpressed with the fact that Jesus invited us to remember Him when we do this together. That in one accord, in one heartbeat together, in one rhythm, we gather together here and at home, online, wherever you are right now, you're gathered together in spirit as the body of Christ to lift up that body that received those wounds that is now your healing. Amen? Receive the body of Christ. And as we look at the blood and what represents that which washes us clean and covers us in Christ. Listen, I, I believe that communion can also be an incredible evangelistic altar call. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, then this is your moment right now. The body that you've just received was given for you, a sacrifice for you to heal you and restore you to what God created you to be. And it's this blood that washes you clean and covers you so that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ because of the blood. So if you've never received Christ, just pray this prayer right now. Just say, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Invade my spirit. I want to be yours. I want to be all yours. And I receive your blood as your sacrifice for my life. And I find my life now in you. In Jesus' name, receive the blood. Stand with me. I'm, I'm like Cody. I would rather, I'd like to just stay here all afternoon and just keep, and, and just, but I know it's a different, it's a, it's a different experience standing up here than it is down there. So I, I get what you're but man, when you, get, when you get talking about the gospel, when you get sharing about the grace and all, you just don't want to stop. I just don't want to stop. I just want to keep on going. That's why, that's why the Apostle Paul preached all the way into the night till people fell out the windows. 
died, he raised him from the dead and started preaching again. Come on. That's revival right there. This book is full of so much incredible life. Let's never take it for granted. It's full of so much that restores our soul, that empowers us to live into the path that God has created for us and the destiny that Jesus died for us to be able to have. Would you just put your hand, hands out to receive? And Father, we just, we just receive what is falling from heaven right now, your grace, your love, your compassion. May it fill us up, Lord. May it overflow in our lives, your joy and your peace. As we go about our lives, Lord, may we just splash it all over everyone that we come in contact with. May the good news of your death, burial, and resurrection and your invitation of, of life that we get to have because of you, may we just share it with everybody that we come in contact with. We have a new hope. We have a new day dawning. We have a new era to walk into. As you make every day new and every opportunity fresh. And God, I just pray as we see the harvest fields ripe for the harvest, that you would allow us, as you did Isaiah, here we are, send us, help us to share your love and your hope and your grace with the world around us as we live it out, as it comes to us and through us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.